What's up, everybody? This is Pastor James, and welcome back to our midweek Bible study. We are finishing up chapter 28 today of Matthew, and that means we are finishing the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the Great Commission, and then at the end of it, I'll share where we are going next week as we start a new book to study. So let's read Matthew chapter 28 together, verses 16 through 20, and we'll cover this final commandment Jesus gives to his disciples. It says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So I just want to start out by saying this is probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture, uh, quoted, taught on, uh, just recited by Christians, by leaders, by pastors in general, to remind the church what our calling as Christians should be. So... Um, just as we dissect this today, I want to call you back to remember last week when we talked about how the women went to, uh, to the tomb and, and the angel told them to go and tell the disciples. And they did what the angels told them to do. And I said that when we're obedient to what we are called to do, that it's amazing at how Jesus will meet us along the way to rejuvenate us in our calling and reassure us in our calling. But the truth is that that we have to step out on faith and go really before we get that affirmation. I mean, we have to just trust in God and and do what we feel like he's telling us to do before we truly get that affirmation in our life. Well, the women went and, and they met with Jesus along the way, and then they did their job and they went and told the disciples just as the angel had originally told them to do. Now, the disciples had a choice as to whether or not they were going to go to Galilee like they were told, and thankfully they went. And when they got to Galilee, guess who met them there? Jesus did. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but yet some of them still doubted. And to me, this is so amazing that these men could see Jesus with their own eyes, and they could see the scars and know that it was him, and yet somehow still doubt him. But the truth is, is that we all do this. Now, one of the interesting things that Matthew does is once again, he leaves out some details. So in John's gospel, we see where Jesus actually appears to the disciples while they're still in Jerusalem. So whenever they go to Galilee, like they were told to do, and they see Jesus there, this is actually at least the second time, if not, uh, Jesus appeared to them multiple times in Jerusalem. And so for the disciples to be willing to go to Galilee to meet Jesus there, remember, you know, we said Jesus would meet you along the way. Well, Jesus is also meeting the disciples in Jerusalem to encourage them and spur them on to go to Galilee like they had been called to do. And you just have to remember that Matthew leaves out a lot of details. So he doesn't talk about the disciples seeing Jesus in Jerusalem because he's much keener on communicating the promises of Jesus being fulfilled like the promise in chapter 26, verse 32, where he's going to go and he's going to meet them in Galilee. And and he's getting to the point of why Jesus reappeared to them and to give them this great commission. So Matthew 
believes that the Great Commission is super, and it is super important. I mean, when you think about it, it's one of the greatest callings on our lives as Christians. And Matthew is more focused on and more concerned about presenting the prophecies and the fulfillment of the prophecies and to show how Christ is the Messiah to his Jewish audience. And so you just have to remember as we're finishing up the book of Matthew that Matthew was written specifically to Jewish people. And I'll share this interesting story with you. You know, I, as we've been studying the book of Matthew, um, I, I get the opportunity probably at least once, if not every couple of weeks, um, seeing my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law was a theology major. And at his university, um, we were talking about the, the Gospel of Matthew here about a week or so ago. And he was saying how interesting it was that they had a guy attend their university who was from Jerusalem. He was Jewish. And he had come to their university on scholarship to play soccer. And as he's attending the university, uh, he begins, and he's not Christian now. you, you got to understand this. He is, he's, uh, he's, Jew, he's of the Judaism faith. He believes in God, but does not believe that Christ is the Messiah. But for whatever reason, uh, attends a Bible study on campus, because it's a Christian campus, and they're studying the book of Matthew. And uh, my brother-in-law was also in this Bible study, and he was saying that as they were studying the Gospel of Matthew, that this Jewish soccer player was very much connecting the dots of all the things that Matthew is talking about that appeals specifically to Jewish people. And this young man saw this. He, he, he understood this. And, and, he, and my brother-in-law was just talking about how amazing it is that 2,000 years later, the Gospel of Matthew is still appealing and speaking to Jewish people today. And, and it's amazing at how 2,000 years later, Matthew's writings are still very effective to the audience that he originally intended his Gospel to be for. So I just want to bring attention to that. But when you look back at the disciples and them, them meeting Jesus in Galilee and falling down and worship him but still doubting. The truth is is that we do this all the time. You know, we can testify to the many times that Jesus has answered our prayers, how he saved us, he he's carried us through trials and hard times, and yet there are times that we still doubt and have very little faith uh when it comes to times in our life where we need the most faith. And and the disciples, we forget a lot of times that they're human just like we are. Um that, that they doubted, they had struggles, they had hard times in, in their spiritual lives, just like we do. And, uh, you know, it's very important that they're humans and for us to realize that and understand that we can learn from them and grow just like they grew. And there may be times where we doubt, but if we worship just like they did, they doubted, but they still worshiped. And if we worship and we continue to follow, even in times where there is doubt present in our life, that God will meet us and reaffirm his trustworthiness and his faithfulness and that he will strengthen our faith in times where we need it to be strengthened. So, moving on in this passage, Jesus told the disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Now, in this, Jesus is revealing that what he is about to tell them is not just a suggestion, but it's very much a command and an expectation. He, he just says, all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, that, that includes all things. Heaven and earth includes all things. And so, this is not just a suggestion, but you're talking about the one who has all authority in all of existence 
is telling them to do something. It's important to note that Jesus has been given all authority in all things, in all places, and now he's telling us to go to all nations. And so it's it's pretty important to realize that prior to his death and resurrection, it does not seem like all authority belonged to Christ. It had not been bestowed on him yet. And so uh, you think that even though Jesus and the Father were one, and according to the Gospel of John, you know, in the beginning the Word was with God, the Word was God, and through the Word all things was were created, Jesus is God. And at the same time, there were certain things that were reserved from him. For instance, like he did not know the day of his return. Jesus said, even the Son of Man does not know the day of his return, only the Father knows. And so while he and God are one, there were just a couple of things that were reserved and not bestowed on him at this time. And he would not receive them until his death and resurrection upon which God finally gives him or bestows on him those things. And only the Father knew the day of his return. And upon Jesus' death and resurrection, this final transfer of power and authority was given to Christ because of his willingness to sacrifice his life for our sins. Now, now Jesus is going to judge according to those who have faith in him and those who do not have faith in him. He's going to judge those who live for him and those who do not live for him. And the good, and you need to understand this, the good of our lives, the things that we do, the good deeds, is not what saves us, but the good things, the good deeds, is merely a fruit of our salvation that comes through faith in Christ, and we are saved through faith alone. And so remember that because we're going to come back to that in a second. Now, Jesus commands his disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus is saying that when he says all nations, that everyone is welcome and no one is excluded in the opportunity to become disciples of Christ. This is important when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to presenting uh, salvation to people and understanding that anyone can be saved. During his life, Jesus spent most of his time ministering to the Jewish people with a few exceptions. You know, there was times where he ministered to, to non-Jewish people, to Samaritans and to some, uh, you know, pagan people and things like that. But for the most part, Jesus spent the majority of his physical ministry ministering to Jewish people. Everyone who is going to be willing to place their faith in Christ is welcome into the kingdom of God. And you got to remember this parable because this is kind of like this parable that Jesus told being fulfilled in this moment. Remember the parable of the king and the king invited his guests to the wedding feast. And he goes out and he invites everyone, but all the nobles and all the people, all his guests that he invited, they were too busy. They were doing this, they were doing that, and they didn't have time to come. So the king gets angry and he invites the poor, the corrupt, the unworthy, because the king wanted his banquet hall to be filled for this wedding feast to be celebrated. And so what's happening in this moment is that Jesus had spent his physical ministry inviting the people of Israel, inviting the religious leaders to come and follow him, to be a part of this kingdom. But all of them, most of them, rejected him. Now Jesus is going to take his power and authority after his resurrection, after his ascension, and when the Holy Spirit comes, 
Jesus is going to go out and he's going to call all people unto him. That means sinners, pagans, Samaritans, um, you know, Canaanites, anybody that you can think of. All the people that the Jewish people despised are now going to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. They're all going to have the opportunity to have eternal life. And this is something that was planned for. This is another fulfillment of prophecy. Even though this parable was a parable, it was somewhat of a prophecy being fulfilled in the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Now, these people who are going to be invited into this kingdom and given the chance of salvation and eternal life, they have to be baptized. And they have to be taught to obey all the commandments. And you got to remember this. This is important. Obedience to the commandments is not what saves us. Obedience to the commandments are merely fruit of a person's salvation. We have to remember that. They have to understand that because they have put their faith in Jesus Christ, now they need to be obedient to his commands, and the obedience is a fruit of salvation. It is not what causes us to be saved. And he also causes these people to be baptized. He calls us to baptize these people. And baptism is really important because when you think about this, especially from a Jewish perspective, remember Jesus is, or not Jesus, Matthew is writing this gospel to the Jews. And for a Jew, this understanding of baptism is really, really important because previously, if someone wanted to put their faith in the one true God, they would come to the Jewish people and they would say, hey, I want to become a Jew. I want to practice Judaism. And so one of the first things that they would have to do is be willing to be circumcised. But now Jesus is not calling people who are coming into this faith to be circumcised. He's calling them to be baptized. And so instead of circumcision being the public display of faith in the one true God now, Baptism is going to be the public display of faith in the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. So, baptism is replacing circumcision as the Christian display of faith to everyone who is witnessing that. And that's super important to understand. So, as a Christian, it's not that you need to be baptized in order to be saved, but it is a public display of your faith. There's no reason why you shouldn't be baptized. I mean, it doesn't necessarily do anything for you, but it's something that we've been called to do. And being obedient to the commandments of Christ is a fruit of our salvation. <clears throat> being obedient doesn't save us, but it displays that we are saved. And that's very important to remember. So, Another thing about making these disciples is, is it's important to realize that disciples are made. We need to understand that today. Uh, disciples are made over time. They don't just happen at conversion. Um, disciples are not converts. Um, you have to understand this. Disciples are people who are converted, who become students, who become servants, who become teachers, who become authorities, and then people who transfer their knowledge, wisdom, and guidance to the next generation. Disciples are made, and disciples make other disciples. It does not just happen. People can be converted 
to the Christian faith. They can have a conversion experience. People can give their life to God. But if they do not have someone pouring into them and teaching them the ways of God, teaching them the wisdom of God, teaching them how to understand the scriptures, they're never truly going to be the men and women of God that God has designed us all to be. We need people to pour into us to help us become the men and women of God that he wants us to be. That's disciple making. I don't know about you guys, but I've had many people in my life as a Christian pour into me to help me become a better Christian. God has done an amazing work in my life. He has forgiven me a sin. He has spoken to me in many ways. And there's some works that God has done in my life that he alone has done. But there's also many things in my life that people have poured into me love, affirmation, correcting me, you know, rebuking me in times where I needed that, that has caused me to be a better Christian today. And that's the art of disciple making, that we all help make each other disciples. And that is the way that God designed it. That's what he has commanded us to do. So understand today, disciples don't just happen at conversion. Disciples are made over time. And it takes a great deal of effort and investment and time from us to make other disciples and so that they can make other disciples and that can continue on until the end of age. So the last thing Jesus promises is that he is with us until the end of age. And that's important. Jesus will always be with us until the end of time. He's promised to be completely with us, not just completely into the future, but also completely with us in the entirety of each day. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but it's not like Jesus just pops in and visits here and there throughout the day or here and there throughout the week. But no, he is with us at all times during all days for all of eternity. He is always present in us. And the Holy Spirit makes that possible. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us <clears throat> gives us access to the presence of God <clears throat> at all times. And that is a great promise that we need to be clinging to because the presence of Christ in your life gives you protection. It gives you power. It gives you peace. It gives you freedom. And you need to understand this today. You may not always feel his presence in your life. You may not always be able to touch him, feel him, see him, hear him, but you need to cling to the fact that he is always present. He's always there. Because you may not feel it, but he very much is. And it's a promise that we have to cling to as believers in Jesus Christ. Because not only does it give us the confidence and assurance that we can follow him and do what we're supposed to do and do what he's called us to, but it also convicts us and reminds us that in times where we want to stray away and fall into temptation and do things that we would like to do sometimes that hey, we got a heavenly father who is there watching us during those times and he's very much present in our life. So, <coughs> it, it's I'm so thankful to God for that promise. And I, I think that as believers in Christ, we should be thankful that he has called us to make disciples. What a privilege it is to be able to help um invest in the kingdom of God, to see other people get saved, to, to have a part in that. That's a huge privilege. You know, it's one thing to just receive something from God, 
which is a wonderful thing to just receive salvation. It's a free gift. But it's another thing to have the privilege to contribute to something. You know, I can remember growing up through school, we would go around and we would take up money for our baseball team. We would go through the community and we would ask people to donate money because the football team always got plenty of money to do things with, but the other sports doesn't always get as much money as the football team does. And I benefited from both. I played football and baseball, so I'm not uh, you know, bashing one or the other. But for baseball, we had to go raise our money. And I remember as a young man going up and asking these people and being really thankful whenever they would give us money for for us to have the ability to get some you know some sports gear that we needed and be able to go out to eat after some games and things like that and how cool that was and I can remember graduating my first year and being a freshman in college and going and playing baseball in college and then there were kids who were still in school and they would have to go around and collect money and for the first time I had the opportunity to give money back to the baseball team so that the kids underneath me could have the same experience and benefit that I did. And I didn't give a whole lot. I think it was like $20 that first year. But it was a great privilege to be able to give money back to the program and do that. It made me feel great to be able to invest in something that I benefited from and had a great experience in and so that another kid could could experience and have a great benefit from. And, and as Christians, when Jesus calls us to salvation, it's not just something that we can benefit from and we can just take and constantly take from. It's something that we will always benefit from eternally. We're going to get eternal life from this. We will have an eternal benefit from being a follower of Christ. But it's also something that it, God gives us the ability to invest in. We can give back to it. We can give so that other people can experience the same grace and mercy and love and forgiveness that we have. And the eternal life that we're going to get to share in, we can give so that other people may be able to experience and have eternal life just like we do. And that's such a wonderful privilege and promise to cling to. And I'm so thankful for that, and I hope that you are too. And as we finish up our Bible study today, I just want to say thank you for tuning in uh, for all these weeks, for doing the whole Gospel of Matthew. You know, I started these Bible studies with our congregation about five years ago, uh, just going through books of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> we've already done uh, the book of Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Acts, and Romans. The only problem is, is I did not start recording these Bible studies until COVID-19 hit. So I'm pretty sure that on our podcast, we only have part of the book of Romans. We should have all of Exodus and now all of Matthew will be available on the podcast. So because we've already done Genesis and we've already done Acts and Romans, I'm not going to go back and do those because I do the same Bible study with our congregation on Wednesday nights in person. So next week, we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians. We're going to start doing that book, and uh, we'll study it for several weeks until we get it finished. And then we'll move on from there and do a different book, and hopefully one day we'll be able to circle back around. And my goal is is to have all 66 books of the Bible um, on this podcast so that you can all have access to it and learn from it and just get some some decent information to help us all better understand Scripture. Okay, Let me pray with you guys, and I'll let you go. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. 
and to hear your word and to read it and to study it and to be able to talk about it. Thank you so much for the men and women who's come before us, who's given us all this great information so that we can study it and gain better understanding of your word. Lord, if it was not for people who invested in it years ago, we wouldn't be able to be where we are today. So thank you for them. Lord, I pray right now as people are listening that you would, um, Lord, just press on their hearts and help them see how important it is for them not only to enjoy the, the, the gift of salvation and to benefit from it, but Lord, to give back to the kingdom of God, to serve you in a way that, that makes other disciples, that pours into other people. Lord, that we should be baptizing people. We should be seeing other people get saved. We should be pouring our lives out so that other people can come to know you. And we know that you can do it because you are God and you can do all things. And we are just privileged to be a part of it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you and we ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We hope to see you on campus. If not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great week.